Welcome to the podcast of Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Melanie read of uh, Moses when he had uh, received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. He came down from the mountain and he didn't know that his face was glowing. And all the people, when they looked at him, they were afraid because the face of Moses was glowing. Why was Moses' face glowing? He had stood face to face with the living God on Mount Sinai. And his face reflected that glory that he beheld there as he received the law. We look this morning at our text in Matthew 17. And Jesus' face did more than glow. It shone like the sun. Moses' face reflected a glory, but Jesus' face shone like the sun. Not a reflection, but it was one that was bright and shining, the radiance of the sun itself. We'll be in Matthew chapter 17, but let's go back a little bit. We've seen how Peter confessed that Jesus was the Christ in the last chapter, and how Jesus told Peter that he was right, that, and that upon him, upon Peter, this rock, I will build my church. And he says, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But then he says that he's going to have to suffer. He says the Son of Man is going to have to suffer and be crucified, be put to death. This doesn't seem to make sense to Peter. Peter had just confessed that that Jesus was the Christ. And Jesus has said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And now Jesus is talking about suffering and dying. Peter didn't get it yet. Jesus rebuked Peter because Peter rebuked Jesus first. Peter said, Jesus, you can't talk like that. Suffering? Suffering and death on the cross? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And then he tells us all He tells us that if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow through suffering. He says, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is the path of discipleship for us all. We look around our world today. We see ISIS... We see the suffering of fellow believers throughout the world. 
in Muslim countries being beheaded. We see in our own country millions of unborn who were killed every year. We see all the evil in our world today. We need to get a grasp on what's real. We can be discouraged. We could forget what Jesus said. Jesus told Peter, I will build my church. And what? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So how are we going to keep from being discouraged in the face of such an evil world that we live on? We need to grasp what is real. Philosophers have had the question, what is real? And they have their different answers. Is real what's out there somewhere? Is real what is what you can touch and what you can feel. Jesus, I think we see in this passage, lifts up the veil so that we can see what real really is. He takes His disciples with Him up on a mountain. Just like Moses had come down from a mountain. He takes His disciples up on a mountain. And there before His disciples... Jesus begins to transfigure Himself. He was transfigured before them. What does that mean, transfigured? The Greek word is metamorphosis. He changed. You you think of a butterfly. We, We call the process that a caterpillar goes through whenever it changes from a caterpillar to a butterfly, metamorphosis. There's this changing. And Jesus, right before His disciples... He changed. While they were looking at Him, His face began to shine like the sun in all of its glory. So bright they couldn't look at His face. And His clothing began to shine like light. It became white like light. Jesus began to lift up the veil. When the Son of God the second person of the Trinity who had existed from all eternity with the Father, who created the universe, became flesh, became a human being. He was wrapped in a veil to where we could not see His glory. And there on the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus lifted the veil so His disciples could get a peek. Just a peek of the glory that was Jesus. Let's read what the text says. Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 1. And after... Six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them on a high up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light and behold there appeared to them Moses 
and Elijah talking with with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And they were coming down, as they, and as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciples asked him, Then why do the scribes say that? First, Elijah must come. He answered, Elijah does come, and and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. They did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Let's pray. Father, we... Long to see your glory. We long to see you, to have the veil ripped away, that we can see you and savor you in all of your glory. Lord, you are here, you are omnipresent. We know that you are here, but Lord, we pray that you would lift the veil from our eyes, that we would see you. Lord, we pray that you would open our ears, that we could hear your word and bring life to us. Lord, be with me, a sinful man. Give me strength to preach your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Six days. Six days after the previous story where Jesus had told his disciples that they had to suffer, that they had to take up a cross and deny themselves if they want to follow him. He was telling that to us as well. And they go up on this mountain. It was just a few of them. It was Peter and James and John. It was just a select few that he took. This was the inner circle. You see, he had told Peter that he was the rock. Peter was like the the greatest of the disciples that followed Jesus. And these three, Peter, James, and John, they were the inner circle. He brought them up so that they could see something the other disciples didn't get to see. He began to shine. His face shone like the sun. His clothes were white, shining like light. And then, they saw two other people with him. 
Moses was there. Elijah was there. How did they know this was Moses and Elijah? Maybe Jesus told them afterwards. That's who it was. Why Moses? Moses was the one who had gone up Mount Sinai and he had seen God face to face. And he himself had come down the mountain with his face glowing. Moses was the one who delivered the law. And Elijah, he was a prophet. He was one of the greatest of the prophets. And he was probably so great, we we think of him as so great because he was one who never died. God Himself sent down this fiery chariot and swooped Him away with a chariot of fire. Elijah was standing there. Or Elisha was standing there and watched him. These two men represented the law and the prophets. Maybe it was important that Moses and Elijah were there because they pointed to the fact that the law of Moses and the prophets all pointed to Jesus. The first five books and all the prophetic writings of the Old Testament, the Old Testament all pointed to Jesus, to the glory of Jesus that they witnessed there. Well, Peter, it was just too much for him to handle. And Peter, oh, he he was often very rash and he said things too quickly. Like whenever he says, Jesus, I'll go with you even to the death. Or whenever he rebukes Jesus and he says, oh, don't talk like that, Jesus. You can't be killed. Peter here, he sees Moses and Elijah and he sees Jesus shining with all of His glory. And Peter, he says, oh, let's build three tents. And we're reading this now, 2,000 years later, and thinking, Peter, what are you thinking? Peter, he was all caught up in it. Maybe he was thinking of the Feast of Tabernacles when they would build these tents and they would worship at these tents. Peter wanted to make this something permanent. He wanted to make this something that he could stay there and, and witness it forever. And, and he never wanted to leave the glory that he saw there with Jesus. But there was a purpose in Jesus transfiguring himself before his disciples here. It wasn't that they would stay there permanently. It was so that they would have a vision of who He was. A reminder of what reality is. So that they would have confidence when they went out and when they preached the Gospel and when they took up their cross and when they took up His reproach, they would have confidence because they saw who Jesus really was in all of His glory. While Peter was speaking, 
He was saying, let's, let's build these three tents while he was speaking. He didn't even get to finish the sentence. And a voice from heaven came booming down. This is my son. With whom I am well pleased. It's in verse 5. A voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. They'd heard part of that phrase before. At the baptism of Jesus, they heard a voice from heaven say, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And here they hear it again. And the voice tells them, Listen to him. The voice speaks to us today and says, Listen to him. They were terrified. Wouldn't you be? If you stood there on a mountain with Jesus and saw Jesus change before your very eyes, saw His face shining like the sun, saw His clothes turn white and shine, and then hear a booming voice from the cloud say, This is My Son in whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't you be frightened too? Think about this. We, we looked earlier this year at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah had a vision of God in His glory. Isaiah had a vision of God sitting on a throne in the temple. An angel stood over Him. They each had six wings. With two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew, and they were crying out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What was Isaiah's response? His response was, Woe is me! I am undone! I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And these disciples, they stood before Jesus. They stood and they saw His face shining. They saw His glory. And they fell on their faces just like Isaiah. They fell on their faces. And they feared. And they trembled. But Jesus said, get up. Get up. Rise. Do not be afraid. Charles Spurgeon, I saw this on Facebook this week, but Charles Spurgeon said, The fear of God is the lion that chases away all other fears. When you are afraid of God, the fear of God, a healthy fear of God, not a fear and trembling like that paralyzes you so that you can't move, but a healthy fear of God. It chases away all other fears. You don't have to be afraid of man. You don't have to be afraid of what people could do to you because you fear the Almighty God. They feared. But Jesus said, fear not. Do not be afraid. Get up 
And he sends them on a mission to deny themselves, to take up their cross, and to follow him. How could they take up their cross? They remembered what was real. They remembered who Jesus was. And the very thing that scared them chased away all their other fears so that they could stand and boldly proclaim the gospel. When Peter looked up, everything was gone. Everything was back to normal. Jesus was standing there. And they began to walk down the mountain. Jesus commands His disciples, don't tell anyone what you saw until after the resurrection. Until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. It was premature for everyone else to know. He didn't even bring all the disciples up. He only brought the three. He says, don't tell anyone about this until after the resurrection. Then, proclaim it on the housetops. But until then, because it was necessary for him to suffer. Peter, he asks Jesus. He, he, he gets hung up on the timing of things. He, he's got this vision about what it's supposed to be like when the Son of Man comes, when, when, when Christ would come, when the Messiah would come. And he, he's thinking, but the rabbis all say... John, uh, that uh, Elijah is supposed to come before the Son of Man. It just doesn't make sense with my timing. Jesus corrects Peter. He says, Elijah already came, if you accept it. Now, he was speaking of John the Baptist. John came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He wasn't like Eastern religions, it wasn't a reincarnation, anything like that. The Bible rejects anything like that. But when John came, he came with all the power that Elijah had. He came in a, as an Elijah-like figure who prepared the way for the Messiah to come. And that's what Jesus means when He says Elijah already came. I want to step back from this text for a minute. How do we face our temptations and how do we face our struggles, our difficulties? I would suggest we have to be reminded of what is real. We need to come together and meet together and hear Bible teaching and preaching on a weekly basis and more than a week. We need to encourage one another daily as Hebrews says. We easily forget. We look around us and we are intoxicated by the world. Either we look at the world and we see everything is so bad and we get discouraged and we forget that the gates of hell will not prevail against Jesus' church. Or... We get intoxicated by the world by looking at all the things that are beautiful, that are desirable to the sinful man, to the sinful flesh. We get looking at all the things of having fun and, and getting... And we just get intoxicated and we, feel, we forget 
what the reality is. The reality is Jesus Christ is more real than all those things that promise us pleasure. We think we can get pleasure. We think we can get life from all of these things. From leisure. From food. All of these different things. From sexuality. From We think we can get life. We think we can get pleasure. But what we really need to be able to stand up, to be able to follow Jesus, to be able to to deny ourselves, we have to be reminded of what is real. In 2 Peter, in chapter 1, Peter who was there at the transfiguration, looks back and he comments on it. This is what he says. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know but the putting off of my body will be soon. He's, this is close to whenever Peter dies. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised tape myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to as a light as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter uses this experience and he says, we were with Him. We were eyewitnesses of His majesty. How do you know that this is all true? By eyewitness testimony. And Peter and the disciples, they don't stand before us today, but they wrote a living word that does. We have eyewitness testimony that tells us what is real. Jesus really is. He's omnipresent. He is here with us by His Spirit right now. And He, if we could see Him, would shine with all of His glory. Let the lion of the fear of God chase away all of our fears. 
Let that lion chase away all of our temptations. If we can only see. That's why we have to be reminded every day, every week, of what really is real. It's not all those things promising us pleasure. And it's not all those things discouraging us thinking the world is falling apart. Sometimes we can be more prone to that one. It's that Jesus Christ is more real than anything else that we see. And He will build His church. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.